Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. Maddie Kelly, it has been a minute. How the heck are you, my friend? I am doing very well. How are you, Kate? I'm doing just fine, thanks. I cannot believe how quickly the month of September has gone by. It's been a while since I opened one of our episodes by talking about how fast the month went by. Um, I realize that I've done that a lot in the past, and it's uh, it's happened again. The month of September is done, and I don't know where it went. You know September is almost over when you like go somewhere and you realize that you forgot how to dress. Like, so I, I went for dinner on Saturday night. Cute, cute, cute little outfit. Oh my gosh, I'm adorable. I get there freezing. Like, I was just like, I, I like, it's like I hit my head and I like, I was just like, it'll be warm forever. And then it was like 14 degrees and windy on Saturday night. And I was so cold. There were heat lamps, thank God, but that wasn't even really cutting it. Like, I just, I just forgot how to dress for the weather. Yeah. And I think the fact that between Ontario being really hot this summer and us spending some time in Japan, which is hotter than the sun. Yeah. I think my body just, when it's like dips under like 17 degrees right now, I'm just freezing. Like I feel like a lizard. Yeah. It's, it's layer weather for sure. And I have forgotten that several times as well. I've been cold a lot lately and it's just because I didn't bring a sweater or like I didn't bring a jacket that one evening I went for a walk, like things that are very reasonable when it's yeah below 20 and it is fall. Um, but I think you're right. I think we spent so much time focused on the heat this year and being like, how hot can we make our environment? How much can we suffer so that we don't suffer as much when we get to the Olympics? That, uh, yeah, this whole like fall weather thing is kind of throwing me, but I love it. This is my favorite time of year. Best running of the year. Barn. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, like the, the smell in the morning. I love it. It's been it. a little bit cold overnight. Oh, yeah. No, it's the best. Anyway. Yeah. Fresh. Thrilled thrilled for the the September weather. Love October. Love Thanksgiving. Personally, oh. my favorite holiday of the year. And we Mine get to too. have like a normal Thanksgiving this year. Relative, That's you know, right. like, you know, if we can finally, you can see your family without um, either personal or public shame. Right. Um, which is super exciting. I'll be spending this Thanksgiving in Boston. Because my dad is preparing for the marathon, which is happening the day after. Well, I guess it's on Thanksgiving Monday. It's also Boston Marathon Monday. So at least I will be with family, but we'll just be celebrating a little differently. But also exciting that I will be at a mass start, um, um, you know, a mass race start line. Unbelievable. Can't believe that's happening. So excited. Have you ever been to Boston for the marathon? I've never been to the Boston. Uh, I think I was at the Boston Marathon in utero, which I understand doesn't fully count. Um, but this is my first time as a fully formed human that I'm going. So I'm excited about that. Very much so. Have you been to Boston period? Yes. Okay. Yes. I do like Boston and I think it'll be beautiful in the fall. That's what I've, that's what I've heard. Obviously this race is usually not in the fall, so it'll be different for everyone. I can't wait. We, you know, the the collective, we cannot wait to hear your stories. Well, I'll give Shalane a little wave as I go by. Yeah. 
We should talk about that. I would say that can be our first piece of news. Sure. Why don't you take it away, Maddie? That's a great segue into the fact that Shalane Flanagan completed the first of her six major marathons in 42 days over the weekend in Berlin. She placed 17th in a 238. And we are excited to see how Shalane can do. She wants to do all six marathons in under three hours. This is off to a good start, massive negative split. So obviously she was feeling really good. Her second half was 114. So yeah, Kate, you will get to watch Shalane in her hometown running one of our six world majors, which is a really cool undertaking. I'm glad that she's done this. We didn't actually talk about this in any of our previous rundown episodes. Um, cause this was announced a few weeks ago. Yeah. She announced it super late. Like she announced it kind of like the day she was leaving. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a great project. Six of the most incredible marathons on the planet in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool undertaking. It's called project eclipse. And it's Shalane's, um, her like second phase of her love affair with running. Um, cause she kind of, she took a year off and she had some surgeries and she had, you know, they, they adopted a child and it's, she's been a busy woman. She's coaching. I mean, there's, you know, there's some stuff going on. 100%. But, uh, really, really cool that she's doing this and just wanting to get the best out of herself over these six marathons. I'll be curious to hear how she recovers between them. We've had lots of people on the podcast in the past talking about how they recover from these, like, huge undertakings that require uh, a lot of racing in a short period of time. So I'm sure we'll learn more about that as she goes. But we have a lot of other stuff to talk about with the Berlin Marathon as well. Starting with the fact that, of course, every headline going into this weekend was, is Kenanisa Bekele going to break the world record in the marathon? He came two seconds shy of that on this course just a couple of years ago. But surprise, there were two relatively unknown Ethiopian winners, one on the men's, one on the women's side. And Bekele wound up third in what I would imagine was a pretty disappointing outcome for him. So the way it went down is that Gaia Adola came in as definitely a dark horse for this win. He was not expect he was not really even part of the conversation. Of course, so many of the headlines were around Bekele's world record attempt. These guys went out really, really fast. You talked about Shalane negative splitting. This was the opposite of that in what sounds like the most painful way possible. So Adolo ends up winning in 2.05. I should note the slowest Berlin winning time in over a decade. Still a very respectable time. But get this, they went through halfway in 60.48. It was the fastest half marathon split in marathon history. And all I can imagine is how much the second half of this race must have hurt because it was a hot day and they went out 25 seconds under world record pace. This was clearly an attempt. They knew what they were doing. It just didn't come to fruition. You go out that hot and it's not your day. That's tough and probably means that with a slightly more sensibly paced first half, that's actually maybe like a 203. Right. If you come through and just, you know, a little over 61. Totally. Yeah. So I I can imagine that their bodies are pretty beat up after this. Um, On the women's side, it was Gotitam Gebersalassie. She won, this was her debut marathon and she won the race in 2.20.09. Amazing time for a debut. She took the lead at 30K and was just never passed again. She won by over a minute and she came in saying she was a little bit surprised, but of course she did come to Berlin to win. So, you know, check mark on that. She accomplished it but pretty impressive for her opening marathon. And again, I think probably I can imagine when you have a young gun relatively untested, it's their debut. 
I can see why maybe some of the other runners gave her a bit of space at 30 and we're like, oh, she'll come back. Who knows? I'm not sure if that's what the tactics looked like, but I think she kind of like surprised some people with this, which is pretty cool. I like those relative underdog stories that turn out really well for the people who uh, who succeed in the end. Totally. And you know what? We were kind of due was a bit of a changing of the guard when it comes to marathoning. And we should mention, speaking of changing of the guard on the women's side, this win by this young Ethiopian comes just days after Mary Katani announced retirement. Uh, unfortunately, she's had a number of injuries throughout her career, um, but she's had an incredibly successful uh, history overall. She won London. She's won New York. She's got the world record for the women's only race. I mean, she's been around and, you know, thriving for a long time. So sad to see her go out with injury, but there's always new people coming up ready to take over and uh, we'll be excited to see where that goes. Last piece of news out of Berlin, we should mention that Canadian Brent Lakatos placed third in the wheelchair race. And this is only like mere weeks after returning from Tokyo, where he won those four medals in events ranging from, you know, the real short distance uh, all the way up. So congratulations to Brent Lakatos on uh, keeping his season going. Apparently, I'm not sure what his future plans are, but nice to see him keeping that fire burning bright. And for our final piece of road news around the Bay, the race that takes place in Sweet Hamilton, Ontario, will be returning in person in 2022. This will be the 127th edition of the race. That's wild. That's wild. And it will be a hybrid event offering both in-person and virtual options. The field sizes will be announced early next year based on local public health guidelines. Do you want to take us through to some cross-country news? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, varsity cross-country happening. So cool, so exciting. I have been training with the Guelph Griffins, and I knew they were in good shape. And they showed that this weekend as the bo- both the men's and women's Griffins won their divisions. Overall, Mitch Eubean won the men's event. And on the women's side, it was Catherine Boschme of Laval, who was first place. The women's finish was super tight for the top four. It was Catherine Boschme in 29.50, followed by Kiana Gibson in 29.54, Sadie Jane Hickson in 29.56, and Jade Berube of Laval in 29.59. Wow. And then there was a gap, but to have those four women within nine seconds of each other, super exciting. Oh, the rivalries begin. That is exciting. And word on the street is um, that it's early in the season and the Guelph girls knew that the Laval girls would bring it and they did. And I'm sure that this rivalry will continue through this season. Well, I was going to say, I I love a really good cross-country finish. Like, there is nothing more exciting than watching people just, like, flying up. Or I shouldn't say flying, because usually it's, like, dying to the finish. But coming through, like, a long stretch towards a finish line, just covered in mud, often covered in, like, your and other people's spit. Like, it's just, like, the grittiest thing. And to have those rivalries developing early and, and to see these, like, really close results, like you said, Maddie, is thrilling. We have a super exciting season ahead of us and Guelph took the title at this race, but obviously there's some depth there and that might not be the case come November. Absolutely. So again, this was the Western Invitational in London, Ontario. There were two other 
collegiate meets uh, across the country. There was the Vic Spikes Open out on the West Coast in Victoria and the University of Saskatchewan Sled Dogs Invitational as well. Results are still being compiled from both of those two events. So we will put them in the show notes uh, if they are available by the time of publication. But lots of excitement to the opening of the 2022 cross-country season. And again, just so thrilling for these athletes who have been you know, deprived of the opportunity to compete for over a year now. So I'm sure that there's really, really good team excitement going on as well, given the fact that uh, people are actually able to race in person. 100%. Moving on to the trail, last week, Stephanie Case, Canadian Stephanie Case, was the first woman and the third person overall to finish the Tour de Glacier race in Italy. So this is a 450-kilometer course. She completed it in 155 hours and six minutes. So that's just about six and a half days. Uh, And this was over 30 hours ahead of the women's course record, which was set back in 2019. So she obliterated that. She has a really cool story. She's a Canadian human rights lawyer for the United Nations, and she was running to raise funds for her charity, which is called Free to Run. And their mission is to enable women and girls to safely and boldly engage in outdoor activity in conflict affected regions. So she said that the recent turmoil in Afghanistan was a real driving force for her and a real motivator to take on this challenge and to help raise some awareness and some funds. There's a wonderful story up on our trail tab of our website, runningmagazine.ca. We'll link it in the show notes. Um, And just some really lovely photos of her sort of overcome by emotion um, at the end of this adventure. So if you want to learn more about Stephanie Case, about the free to run charity and about her recent successes and adventures um, on the Tour de Glacier, check out that story on our website. Our second piece of trail news is that UTMB announced they are banning all NSAIDs at their events. These are not part of the WADA banned substance list. Their explanation is that they're trying to prevent athletes from self-medicating and doing damage to their kidneys. These measures have been criticized by many athletes. Interesting. Yeah. So NSAIDs, just for those who don't know, NSAID stands for non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. It's a really fancy way of saying like ibuprofen, Tylenol, basically anything that you can buy over the counter or just like at your drugstore that you take to, you know, help alleviate uh, some joint or muscle pain or soreness or stiffness, inflammation, things like that. Obviously, these are things that are widely used by the general public and by endurance athletes. But yes, they are not part of the WADA banned substance list, which is what most organizations go by to decide whether or not a substance should be legal at their event. But I guess they did a study, um, UTMB did a study recently checking sort of the levels of um, these drugs in their competitors once they finished. And they found that there were really, really high there was high usage of NSAIDs and that basically athletes were, you know, potentially overusing these drugs to self-medicate to a degree that would be considered unhealthy and like theoretically cause renal damage. So they have decided to ban them entirely. So you can now no longer have any NSAIDs in your system uh, within 24 hours of competition. Here's my thing. An event like UTMB or frankly, elite track and field or elite road racing is not healthy. You have surpassed the point of health and reached elite competition. So the idea that UTMB would come in and say, like, we need to make sure like that your kidneys aren't damaged. Like, what about all the other parts of your body that are damaged during this very, very extreme event? 
I'm wondering how much more damage could be caused by not potentially using these interventions in a responsible way, because that is the purpose of the drug is to help with things like inflammation when you're exposing it to, you know, a ton of breakdown. You or I would take ibuprofen a few very key times through the year to manage inflammation so that we can continue to train and compete at a high level. Right. And if that's how it's being used over the course of a 72 hour foot race, that checks out for me. Yeah. Like, I just don't know why we're drawing the line at health here, because the truth is like a 72 hour endurance event where you lose multiple pounds and traverse hundreds of kilometers isn't good for you. Absolutely not. (laughs) That doesn't mean we shouldn't do it, but fundamentally it's bad for you. Right. So the Quartz Event Health Program was set up by UTMB back in 2008, and it was basically a project that was set up to protect the health of the participants in their events and to contribute to clean sports. So I think its mandates are admirable. And I should add that I do believe in more regulation, more testing, more drug education in the trail circuit. I think that's a billion percent important. And I do not condone the use of performance enhancing drugs in any level of running in any discipline of running. I don't, I just, I just don't know if Tylenol is the culprit or right. like if Tylenol is what we need to be cracking down on. However, you know what, if you're a trail runner listening to this podcast and you agree with what UTMB did, let us know, because admittedly I am not a trail runner. So this is some pretty armchair criticism. So let us know if you think we got it wrong and UTMB got it right. Please do. In other news, we have been, well, Maddie and I in particular, because we are good friends with her and we're with her on the circuit this year, have been closely following a story of um, one of our past podcast guests, Andrea Sakafian. She and I spent a lot of time together this year. We lived and trained together through the spring. Andrea lives in Australia. Um, where she and her partner have been for the last four years. Neither of them are Australian citizens, but her partner, Jamie, is there on a work visa. He is a physiologist who works for the University of Melbourne. And Andrea has, you know, built a a life there. That's where her training group is. That's where her partner is. Um, And because of the situation with COVID, Australia is being incredibly strict about who they allow back into the country. Um, There have been thousands of Australian citizens stranded across the world throughout COVID, and they're slowly being able to trickle back in under huge numbers of restrictions. But people like Andrea, who is not a citizen and is only on a a temporary visa there, um, is really getting the short end of the stick. Andrea left Australia back in April when I left Canada and we both went to the States to train. She has not been home since April 12th. And I know that this has been a real, real challenge for her. Obviously, she just wants to be able to get back in, wants to be able to see her partner who she hasn't seen in six months and has been living out of a suitcase for half of the last year. Now, she knew this was a possibility when she left, but it still doesn't make it any easier when you find repeatedly that you're you're being turned away. You're not able to even get on a plane to get back to that country despite being fully vaccinated and you know following all of the, the protocols. So this has been really tough for her. She's been in Berlin lately with her brother and uh, she was posting on social media over the weekend about being able to watch the Berlin marathon in person. Andrea is a super tough, resilient woman. And I know that uh, in speaking with 
CBC earlier this week, she said, I don't want anyone to feel badly for me because I knew that this was the situation I chose to leave. But it's just a really, it highlights a really unfortunate aspect of having to decide, you know, am I going to go to the Olympics and risk not being able to get back into the country that I call home where my longtime partner is? Or am I going to forego the Olympics so I can stay and and do those things? There was no good answer for Andrea. For a lot of this season, there hasn't been necessarily an obvious or good answer for Andrea. And she has shown immense grit and determination in what she's accomplished with, you know, how how little she's been able to be around the people she loves. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And it's made even harder when you don't, you know, have physical support. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll keep you posted if we hear more about Andrea and hopefully her ability to get back into Australia. But uh, yeah, tough, tough pill to swallow for now. So this week, big announcement from Lululemon and the COC. They have partnered and Lululemon is the new official outfitter of Team Canada. So that means it is no longer HBC. It is now Lululemon. Kate, man, I wish this had happened like four months earlier. I know that's not how contracts work. It for sure ran through this Olympics and they had the new contract lined up, but whoa, does this stuff look nice? Anyway, I think it's a cool partnership. It's, you know, a Canadian company. Glad to see them investing in elite sport. Glad to see them investing in the country. You know, obviously Lululemon is an international brand now, but investing in the country that they started in. And, you know, I, I hope you and I get the opportunity to put some Lulu gear on one day. I saw a lot of Americans, uh, particularly those sponsored by Lululemon, like Ms. Colleen Quigley, posting about how much she wished she was Canadian right now because of this partnership that we have going. Obviously, this has become a huge, uh, hugely recognized international brand, and they do make some really nice stuff. All right. And in our final piece of running news, but not from a running event, uh, Canadian Tamara Jewett finished her Ironman in Atlanta, Georgia over the weekend with a 113.03 half marathon. That's a half Ironman she was doing. Tamara was a super talented runner uh, when it was her single event. She's transitioned remarkably well to triathlon, obviously. And I wonder what she would run for a half right now if that was the only thing she was doing. Uh, Anyway, kudos Tamara. And we are excited to see what else she will do on the roads. Maddie, what do you have coming up? What are you looking forward to over the next week? Over the next week, well, you know, cross-country workouts are becoming a little realer every day. I last week had my first full week of training with, you know, like full running mileage, two weight sessions, hill session, all that stuff. And it left me very hungry and tired, but I love love cross-country training, especially because it feels pretty low stakes for me. And a lot of it isn't really like measured by time. So much of it is measured by effort, which is mm-hmm. just a lovely break for your brain. And I told Kate before we started recording that I have kind of a crazy goal and I'm willing to tell the listeners, I am going to register for Canadian 10K cross-country national championships. I have never run a 10K in my life. I'm going to give it a go on the cross country course. I don't think I'll be very good, but I have the cross country bug again. I haven't raced it in four years and it has come back 
and I am excited to pursue this very new, very long event. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I have to say about that. I love this. I think that everyone should do cross country at some point. I think it is, if you are a runner, you're going to hate it and you're going to love it. It is like the purest form of running in my mind, literally over hill and dale through all kinds of conditions with no glory whatsoever, except for again, that mud, sweat, spit, caked face and body that you have at the end and uh, sheer exhaustion. But I think cross country is such a fun, underrated uh, part of our sport. And I think it's awesome that you're taking on this event that is like 12 times long further than you usually race. Well, here's the thing. I'm going to be bad. Like, cause I can't be training for the 800 like doing base training for the 800 and also be properly equipped to run a 10 K. Like those two things don't go together, but you do have to get yourself in pretty good aerobic shape in the fall. And so I'll be in good aerobic shape. I think like ideally it would be six K maybe seven K 10 is going to be too long for me, but what the heck I'll just grind out those last three kilometers. It's not going to be pretty, but I I'm looking for, you know, sort of a new challenge and this is it. I love it. And this is brand new information to me as of today, but Maddie, uh, you very kindly extended the invitation if I would like to join you on that start line. And I had never even thought this year that I would be doing cross country, but you said it's been what, four years for you? Maddie, I think the last time I raced cross country might've been 2010. I think it's been over a decade since I last raced cross. So I'm not sure exactly what my fall holds, but I am tentatively taking you up on that invitation. I would love to join you in Ottawa at the end of November for the Canadian cross country championships. It's a great goal to have on the calendar and it's getting me jazzed. We're going to have to order cross country spikes. Oh my gosh. That's true. (laughs) I thought you were going to say singlets. We might have to come up with a fun little team situation. Yeah. I don't have a singlet. I'm also not really part of a club. So we we could be a team if we just found two more people. Love it. Okay. There's, there's our call. Do you guys want to be in our cross country team? <laughs> We're taking applications currently. You have to run 10 K in Ottawa on November 27th. It will probably snow, um, yeah. but must have cross country spikes and, um, a taste for good beer or at least good apple cider. One or the other. Those are my requirements. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to add to that list. All right. Well, let us know if you're planning to do cross country this year, Uh, whether you want to be part of our team or otherwise, we would love to hear how you are staying motivated through this fall's uh, racing season. Well, we will be back in two weeks time when the world major marathon circuit continues until then there's lots of U sport excitement going on. We'll bring you all of those updates as well. But in the meantime, for your week in review, I'm Kate and I'm Maddie and we'll chat with you again soon. We'll be right back.